This is the Average Guy Network, and you have found Home Gadget Geeks, show number 287, recorded on December 8th, 2016. All three engines up and burning. Two, one, zero, and liftoff. The final liftoff of the planets. Here at Home Gadget Geeks, we cover all the favorite tech gadgets. News, reviews, product updates, and conversation all for the average tech guy. I'm your host, Jim Collison, broadcasting live from the Average Guy TV studios here in a very cold belt in Nebraska. We have had uh, winter is here, and it's it's here in full force. And uh, you know that first, Brian, you know that first winter blast that you get? You know that, you know, you know it's not going to be the coldest of the winter, yes. but it just feels that way, right? Yeah, it's been uh, it's been a little on the East Coast here. It's just been gray and in the 30s, you know. But we had a little bit slushy, sleety stuff the other night. But it's coming. It's coming. Yeah, it's gonna. Our cold is coming your way, so it'll be oh, thanks. shortly. Thanks. I think we're expecting uh, you know single digits, uh, single digit lows here pretty quick. But of course, we post a show. It's warm when you're inside listening to the podcast. Absolutely. So we, we post a show with world class show notes each week out at the Average Guy. TV. And this week, uh, we're going to talk about a lot of product that we're putting links for those products in. So you might want to head out to the show notes and just have them ready as you're listening. Don't forget to join us. You can join us live or the recorded version on the mobile app. Head out to HomeGadgetGeeks.com. We want to thank LastPass for their sponsorship of the mobile app. It allows us to provide that for you. Really, the best way to listen on the road is through the mobile app. And so head out to HomeGadgetGeeks.com, both Android and iPhone buttons, big buttons out there for you to get access to it and download it and get it going. Really, most of you do this by now, but but uh, we provide that for you. We want to thank LastPass for their sponsorship and for all they do. They're on next week, so you want to join us. So you want to come back next week as well. Amber Gott will be here. I know we've been talking about that one for a while, but uh, come out and see what's going on new at LastPass. I want to thank them for their sponsorship. Don't forget, we also have a Patreon link. If you want to financially support the show, you can find the link on the front page of the home to, at uh, theaverageguy.tv or head out to theaverageguy.tv slash support. All right. We've got a full show uh, for you tonight. Dr. Brian Friedlander is back uh, with us, and, uh, you know, he's the assistant tech guy. Brian, how are you? I'm doing good. It's been a busy, uh, really busy fall, but uh, doing a lot of workshops and trainings, and uh, so it's been uh, it's been exciting. It's just a great time to be in technology, I have to tell you that. Yeah, there's, a, there's some great stuff coming up. What are yes. you finding in your workshops? What are you finding? What are you doing the most of, or what are people have the most questions around, or kind of where are you at with those? What's the popular stuff? I mean, what's coming, at least in New Jersey, is, uh, you know, Chromebooks are still the rage. And so I've been doing a lot of training on um, working with kids with reading and writing disabilities and uh, using Chromebooks. But, I mean, they're using Windows and, and Macs, too, but with the Chrome browser. So it's kind of a interesting phenomenon, uh, that's for sure. But it's still pretty – it's just amazing what, you know, would – you know, we're, I say we're doing in the Chrome browser today. It's, you know, years ago it would be, you know, an, a full installation of an application and now it's just an extension and it, it's lightweight and you can use it in different environments. So it's, it's, it's really exciting. Is that getting better when we think of the assistive technologies that kind of have to happen around with, with students who need that help? Is that, is that to a point, and, and the, it sounds like from the Chromebook, is it fully complete or are there still some areas where it, they kind of need to catch up. And is Windows in that same boat? It, I mean, I, I know there's a lot of stuff built into Windows, but yeah, I mean, what's they, the comparison? They, um, 
I would still I would still say that you know Windows and Apple still has better accessibility across the board, but I mean I think uh, definitely Google is you know on their toes with what they have to do. I would say that probably for you know overall control in the environment, still Windows is probably up there um, with Apple second, and then you know the um, you know Google probably third. But they're they're working hard on you know all the accessibility. Um, you know features probably you know when we think about <clears throat> you know, we, th we think about students with um, you know learning disabilities you know the platforms are kind of on an even keel right now but when we talk about individuals that have motor significant motor disabilities where they have to control things with switches or other interfaces you know Windows and Apple are still you know way ahead and kind of Google kind of um, you know kind of falls behind in that in that respect. But okay. for, you know, most mainstream students, you know, um, it, there's really, a, it's really a fantastic solution. And also, you know, as you know, inexpensive. So that's the other yeah. hallmark, hallmark of that. From, from a hardware standpoint, right? When you think yeah. about that, although a lot of people have boxes that can run Windows. And so that Correct. that probably works. What What's the most common, you know, it, it's easy for us. And this is an area I live in. I never use any of those technologies that are built in. And you know, every once in a while, you make a wrong keyboard a shortcut, and you right, turn on right. the voice, and you know, it starts reading things for you, and you're like, "Oh my gosh, what did I turn on?" You know, what am I doing, <laughs> Brian? In your work, what's the most commonly used assistive tech when we think of in the OS, like where people need help, either vision or audio, or what? What is it? Right. What do you see the most of? Well, I mean, from a standpoint of, of the most use would be uh, text, you know, text-to-speech. So the ability to highlight text and have it, you know, being read. Um, and um, it's, you know, it's pretty across all the platforms. It's it's there. Um, you know, I think it gets down to preferences for the speech engine themselves in terms of what Apple's using, you know, what, you know, Microsoft is, is using. I just actually read today that Microsoft, um, I guess, in their next big release will be integrating another 10 voices, um, you know, synthetic voices. So that's, you know, that's that's where the kind of the race is. I mean, because some of the some of the text-to-speech engines just sound really really poor, you know, by today's standards and while others are much easier to, you know, much easier to read, you know, to use and to listen to. And, and do you find with, you know, in the last couple of years, kind of the AI has, you know, has caught on with Siri and with Cortana yeah. and with Google now? Are, I said, I said Cortana and she uh -oh. popped up on uh -oh. my screen here. Yeah. She now, yeah. now, now uh, typing everything that I'm saying. Actually, it's pretty good. That's working pretty well. Do you find that, are, are, are you using, are your students using that more? Um, ab, you know, absolutely. And I, I think, you know, um, with Google's voice typing that's built into Google Docs, it's pretty, pretty amazing. I mean, no training, you know, right out of the box. Um, and you could do, and it processes quickly. And it, because Google's been doing searches for so many years, it's also contextualized. So just like Siri as well, you'll, you'll see it. You'll say, you know, I went to the beach, it'll, it'll put, you know, may, it may put B-E-C-H and then all of a sudden it, you know, it flips it and, you know, it understands that you, you know, you know, you weren't looking at a beech tree. Um, so it, it's pretty amazing. It's pretty amazing. It's lightweight and it's integrated into Google Docs. So what's better than that? And no training is needed. So it's, um, it, it is interesting. And then what a lot of third-party developers are doing, they're trying to build, they, they have the API for that. So they're building it into their extension so it can be used outside of 
just Google Docs. So now maybe you're in Google Slides and you want to use, you know, the voice typing. So it's kind of interesting what's happening in that. Yeah, that in makes that sense. Too. With that yeah. engine already there, uh, extending Correct. out to the other to the other. Right. Option. As I was driving home, knowing I was going to be talking to you tonight, as I was driving home, I was having this thought. I'm like, you know, I need to use my voice command um, uh, devices more because I think it takes some training. I think your students, when they start using it, probably get really good at knowing how it works. And so that frustration level probably, it's like learning how to type for them, right? Correct. In this case, they kind of learn how to speak to the computers. Where with us, we're so used to doing that input and it's awkward for us yes. to talk to our devices. But yeah. I'm, I'm kind of going to, I think over the next um, quarter, six months, something like that, really try to use voice in every case that I can first. Mm -hmm. Just start seeing, because I think we're getting close. I mean, again, yep. uh, Cortana just popped up on me here on the desktop and said, and um, uh, it started typing for, you know, started typing for me what I was saying in a query or whatever. And there's lots of things I could do if I would just invoke it. And Absolutely. So, and yeah. I've been, yeah, I've been using, I've been doing a lot of stuff with um, Alexa and uh, Amazon Echo. And I have the, uh, the tap here. So I've been doing a lot of workshops on, you know, uh, how <laughs> yeah i i okay but uh, i've been doing a lot of interesting workshops showing teachers how they can use this technology for students you know have um you know reading disabilities um you know students that sometimes are averse to using text i mean it's a great um it's a great tool especially this will read kindle books as well as audible books as well um, and what's nice so about that? If not, I buy the book, if I buy the Kindle book, and then put it in my library, and then tell one of those devices, we have to be careful not to say those yes, words because it affects yes. people. Mm -hmm. But um, and then tell that device, hey, read that book from my Kindle library. It'll just start reading it. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Cool. So and it also you can also read the Audible books through this device um, as as well. And the text to speech engine is is really. Um, is really is really excellent so it's great but i mean you could do you know imagine you're i mean imagine you're a student and you have difficulty with spelling this can it, you could ask it how to spell words you can ask it to look up information um you know so it's it you know with your voice which is uh, which is really fan, really fantastic so i mean but, but i the, find that takes training for us like you know yeah, we, it does. we have to because we're so used to that input mode where you just type it and i think sometimes i get a little frustrated because i don't know the exact commands it's and still I, not good enough yet yeah. to just know yeah you and know. i think that's the the i mean the upside, it's great because we're using speech. The downside, there is a cognitive load in understanding the commands or the sequence of commands. And sometimes it's subtle and, you know, it'll, you'll get a beep and it won't recognize it. And you change one or two words that it recognizes and then you get the response. I've been, I've been using in my home, I've been using um, the Alexa for, uh, with, with lights, um, smart, you know, smart, actually smart bulbs or smart um and um, I also have some of the smart plugs, and uh, it's worked out. It's worked out really. It's worked out really well. Um, but you know, there are. I mean, I, I top of my head, I can't remember, but there are some of the manufacturers. Their their. I mean, the software or the app requires a certain sequence, and if you don't get it, you know, the light doesn't. Go, you know, the light doesn't come on. You know, it's kind of frustrating because you have to sometimes say it in a very prescribed way you know and it's like instead of just turn the light on you have to 
you know, say TP link, you know, put the light on, you know, I mean, you have to like, you know, go through this whole rigmarole and it's, it's kind of frustrating. Um, I mean, I like the systems where I've been using, I just tried the, uh, the TP link bulb and it's in the, it's in my show notes as well as um, also using um, Lifex bulbs. And um, they're pretty, they're really easy to, um, you know, use with the, um, the, the Echo um, as well. Um, and I do, I like the LifeX because you can also, you know, give it commands to change the brightness. So I can say, you know, set the brightness to 50% and it responds um, as well. Um, so it's, uh, that's been, I mean, it's, it's been interesting for me to play around with, but when you think about the applications for individuals that, maybe, um, you know, in wheelchairs or, you know, have motor disabilities. It's pretty, and it's pretty exciting technology because years ago, um, you, if you had to bring someone into your home to do environmental controls, it was tens of thousands of dollars, you know, and now you could basically, you know, use a, buy an Amazon, you know, Echo or Dot and, you know, have motion sensors that, turn light, you know, lights on as you move through a hallway and, you know, do things with proximity. I mean, so it's pretty, it's pretty exciting. I've, I've even tested it out where I can use like an iPad in an augmentative communication mode. So the iPad is giving the uh, Alexa the commands and it works as well. So you could have an individual that has speech impairment and uh, you could have the iPad basically giving it the prompts and you know, oh, the great. Echo responding to it. So it's that's kind of great. Yeah. That's yeah. You know, this Christmas season, Echo the Dot, uh, yes. I think you can get for 30 bucks, 30 or 40 bucks, yeah. which yeah. is really reasonable. And mm -hmm. you, don't, you don't have to have the full Amazon, you know, the full tall device right. to, get to, to get that going. Um, uh, you did those bulbs. I did two new Hue lights. So I have four okay. now in the house. Okay. And I also ordered the TP-Link. I have one of the TP-Link and one of the D-Link um, mm -hmm. um, outlets. Right. And they all now work great with the Amazon devices. Yes, so they like do. I can say, Echo, Echo, turn off the studio lights. Now, you won't be able to see this in the audio version. Let's see if she'll get mm -hmm. this on here for me. I might have... She's probably still listening to me talk, wondering, what did you say? We'll try it one more time. <laughs> Echo, turn off the studio lights. And so it's attached to the plug over there, and then you just saw Got it. The video, right? I did. Echo, turn on the studio lights. And I can turn on and off the lights from upstairs uh, from here as well as those plugs. Now, these are using standard fluorescence because I've got them in a plug, right? The plug is controlling right. it. But upstairs, Correct. all those lights, all those hue lights have, I think, eight levels of dim. And so, you know, right. you can, we, have a, we have a couch lamp, a reading lamp, uh, the living room lamp. This is <laughs> becoming one of the challenges is you got to name all these of these particular front door lamp, right? Right. And then you're right. You can set them to, to various uh, levels right. of brightness and dim. And you can set um, groups too, right? You can yeah. Groups and scenes. Groups and, and scenes, yeah. And on, on the Amazon devices, the integrations have gotten so much better just in the last six months of working well with the apps where the voice commands are working way better. It used to be, like you said, where you'd have to get this exact yeah. speech in there. And now with, and I think it's, I want to say there's like 12 vendors that they're working with, SmartThings and D-Link mm. and TP-Link, where right. they have a, and they call them skills, right? They have these skills you yes. can enable. And the skills now have nat almost native functionality. So it will pull those names over that you created inside the TP-Link or the D-Link or the Hue infrastructure. And it'll pull those names in. And you can just say, 
turn the lights on, right? And, it, and it's right. working really, really well. So when yeah. we think of it, we often think, Brian, um, you know, of how cool and convenient it is. Yes. But you think about somebody coming in a house that's in a wheelchair and how, how awesome that would be to have a $40 dot yes. in every room that can control the lights via voice or, like you said, motion or some of those kinds of things. That could be a real, I mean, that can be a lifesaver in some cases being able to, uh, you know. Yep. Absolutely. You know, absolutely. And like I said before, you know, I mean, that I think it's, it's one, again, one of those disruptive technologies where you had individuals that would go in, but the cost would be prohibitive. Yeah. So now you could, you know, basically put together your own, you know, your own system. And I think it, it's, it's getting to the point where you always, you know, you, you're always concerned in these environments. Is it robust enough? And I, I think we're getting to that point where it is in terms of reliability. I can even see it myself over the last couple of months. As you said, not only the commands, but it just seems so much faster. I say, you know, turn on Brian's lamp and boom, it's like it's there, you know. it's uh, So I, I think the systems are becoming um, more reliable and more robust so that someone could consider it as a solution. Yeah. we I bought a, a plug just for the Christmas tree. And this is where it's a very, I mean, it's such a perfect, right. like, turn, <laughs> it is. On. turn it on, turn it <laughs> off. Now, the plugs don't dim, which I wish they would, but that's a whole different circuitry thing, right? Yes. Yeah, that yeah. wouldn't work that way. But we have LED Christmas bulbs, and then, you know, that's plugged into it. And I'm, and I'm sure if we looked carefully, there's probably a Wi-Fi enabled Christmas tree you know, string that probably you know, somewhere flash and do all those <laughs> kinds of things. Um, but I love that. I love it in that space for 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 the you know to for to help with, with people who really need it. Yes. I think it's great for us geeks. But you see this every day, and I, I think yes. this is awesome. And it's getting yeah, good it enough that yeah. the mainstream, the non-techy yeah. mainstream, can use it. But I just um, uh, we're gonna for my my. I'm going to be uh, traveling for the holidays, and so I, on uh, Black Friday, I decided to, to pick up this uh, Amazon Fire 8-inch. I think it was like it was under $60, and, you know, this even has Alexa integrated into it as well, so I, I'll just uh, say. So, Brian, with all your gear, you still yep. felt like it was a, a good value to have a $60 Fire tablet as well, or did you get it to kind of check it out for what it could do? Well, I mean, I've been doing um, I've been doing some workshops around Alexa, so I thought it'd be a good idea to have this with me um, when I do them. But the other part too is, um, you know, th this device um, is HD. It also supports SD cards, and now with Netflix and um, even Xfinity allowing you to download videos, I thought you know for traveling um, this holiday season on a long flight. Um, I'd be able to, you know, use the, you know, basically run my videos off of this, um, off the SD card. But um, it has Alexa. All you, all you do is you, you hold the home key down. What's the f weather forecast for tomorrow? Tomorrow, when you have you'll see sunny weather. Can expect a high Nice. Yeah. Um, so it and. Um, and it's you know supports the Kindle, so I mean I I really bought it to play around with with Alexa and also for you know basically you know reading my Kindle books and for you know consuming video. So uh, yeah, that's I mean, it's good. Pretty, I mean because you're a Surface guy, we're running off a yeah. of Surface right now. You we are could do all that. Of course, the battery life on the Kindle 
um, on, on the fire tablet, it's yeah. probably a little bit better, right? I mean, yeah. on a long flight, you're, you, you've got a long flight out from, from the East Coast all the way yes. to the final West Coast of the United States. Yes, I do. I, I don't mean California. I mean no. the, the real West. <laughs> real West. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought it was good. I mean, I thought it was really good um, good value. I've been, you know, ha- I've been, I mean, I, I mean, it's pretty incredible that you can buy even a device like that at 60, you know, $60. I mean, it's, you know, yeah. I mean, it doesn't have a ton of internal um, memory, but with a, you know, SD card, I mean, the whole thing, you know, with the kit, I mean, believe it or not, the case cost me like $35 and the, and the tablet was 60, you know, yeah. I mean, it's kind of crazy, but, uh, and then the SD card, so it's about $120, you know, investment, but I thought it would be, um, you know, good to take on the road with me when I, when I, you know, when I travel. Yeah. You could even get one of those little battery packs that has a, has a, you know, I've got a Kingston one. It's got a 500, oh. uh, 500 gig hard drive in it. You'll load your movies to that. It's a, it becomes a Wi-Fi device. You connect your, tab, <laughs> you, know, you put that in the seat pocket in front of you and let it run and then attach your, you know, attach your akin, the fire to it and stream right. movies right off of there. That has been a, a popular way. Then you've got a big external battery as well. That's going to run all Who makes that, that? Who makes that Kingston one? Kingston makes those. Yeah, I think they're, they're little traveler Wi-Fi storage. They were real popular a year or two ago. They've, the, they, they're not as popular this season, but um, okay. cool little, you know, where it can, it can find, or it combines Wi-Fi. Yes. This one has a network uh, Ethernet jack in it, where if you went into a hotel room that was wired, you could right. plug that in, and then it would become the Wi-Fi. Okay. It would become your Wi-Fi port. Really, very flexible and and um, and fairly inexpensive right now. Not not terribly expensive. Like Kingston makes one, Seagate makes some, Western Digital makes some. Right, it's right. all in one kind of Wi-Fi combined yeah. devices. Yeah, um, with them, so so pretty cool. Um, Let's talk about, we've got some, that's a great, that's a great conversation just in, in those, you know, we're right. about bulb, light bulbs, plugs. Um, and I, I wasn't intending going into the season, I wasn't intending right. to buy any, but then I started pulling some, some, I had an old dealing plug and I pulled it out and I thought I'm going to give this a try. And then I, we moved the Christmas tree and I'm like, you know, I need to plug that Christmas tree. And then I'm like, I should get two more light bulbs and the hue bulbs are expensive. They're $15 a bulb when now you can get an LED light bulb at Walmart for a buck fifty, right? We're right, right, right. we're in the era. There's no more fluorescent. You should never buy no, a fluorescent no. bulb ever again. And absolutely no. And it's it's just it's um it's still not as cheap as incandescent, but you shouldn't buy those either. No. Um. And so uh, it's a great era. I think this is one of those things where we're just going to continue to get better. You know. Better absolutely. Better. Yeah. It's pretty. Like I said it's pretty. Um. It's pretty exciting it really is yeah well first item on your um and I'll, I'll throw this up on the screen so folks can see it but uh you have a little and i've never heard of these before but a little bamboo slate uh device yes. for you maybe you can I'll, I'll throw it on the screen maybe you can talk about that yeah so here i actually have this in oh yeah picture oh, oh no, okay. you yeah. got the real thing no just go i got the real thing yeah, yeah that's yeah. good yeah, yeah so this a bit is about that. um Okay, so this is uh, made from uh, it's bamboo slate from uh, I think it's is it Wacom? I guess it's pronounced yeah, Wacom. 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 Mm-hmm. And um, basically, it's just a it's a regular pad um, that of paper and um, it it and a pen, and you turn it on and you you draw, and then using their app um, with Inkspace, uh, I could press this 
is one button here and it gets transferred using either an Android or an iOS device and then you can move it into whatever environment you want so it does output to um, JPEG PDF SVG for vector graphics uh, so you can bring it into Photoshop um, if you want um, it also supports their Wacom format called will which then I bring into um, bamboo paper and I do my magic with it. So I found an interesting workflow. The other thing too, it does support handwriting recognition. So you, if you just take handwritten notes, you can export them and it will um, you know, turn them into editable uh, text that I can throw into an email or any document that I want. So it's kind of uh, it's kind of interesting. So um, how is it yeah. physically transferring the? So you're you're writing on the paper, and then how does that get transferred? Into so um, so what would happen is I would write um, with the, you know with um, on the paper with their you have to use their pen. Okay. Um, and the pen is the pen doesn't have to be. It, the, the magic is in the um, it, it's a metal nibbed pen tip. So it uses. Um, I've got the technology. Um, it's, it's the bamboo technology, um, and what what happens is it, it just it's picking up the pen strokes on the on the back of this um, slate, and then when I press the button um, over Bluetooth, it sends the whatever I whatever I did on here to my my in my case my iPad, and then I can do what I want. Um, with it, so it's pretty interesting technology. So I've I've done like I actually done some really interesting info uh, sort of infographics. Like here's one that I did on using the LiveScribe pen. So it has you know my pictures and text, and then I'll throw it into bamboo paper on my iPad. Which is just an app, a free app that's available. Which is, yep, free app. And uh, then with a stylus, I will, um, so what happens? With a stylus, I will actually kind of color it and uh, make it something that looks looks pretty good, actually. I, I'm just kind of surprised myself at what I can do with my uh, <laughs> art yeah. artistic um, abilities. Let me see if I can. So here's something that I just... If you can see that. Yeah, just tilt it a smidge when you throw it up there, tilt it a smidge. There you oh. go. Perfect. Oh. So yeah. you can see I can highlight and, and color, uh, yeah. and then I can um, – uh, what I do is I usually, you know, will we'll tweet these out um, on Twitter as well. I can export them. So it's kind of an interesting, um, interesting device that I, I found useful for putting together these um, – Kind of guides on how to use different technologies that I've been, you know, working with, um, and it. The, I don't know. It just seems like the workflow. People say, "Well, what do you need?" You know, you could always just, you know, draw right on the, um, you know, on the iPad. I just don't. I don't know. It just seems seems easier for me to use like almost like a pen and yeah. paper. You, know, you can write on the surface too, but I, I find that to be a difficult surface to take notes on. I just don't, I don't find that writing experience to be satisfying. You know, it just yeah. for me paper, and that maybe that's our generation. But maybe. for me, I, taking notes on paper is still the best way, my preferred way to do it. And mm -hmm. I like the combination when you showed that to me. Take the notes on that paper, 
that are plain and then import them into, you could bring them, you know, when you get home, you could put them on your surface and then use the pen there to make the highlights and the colors and fill that in. You know, basically you're coloring in your, your notes. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So currently it supports just Iowa. Well, actually bamboo paper is available uh, for windows um, as well, but the transfer has to be to uh, iOS or an Android device. Uh, It then you can then, share it on Inkspace, which is their cloud-based storage. And then you can actually collaborate. Um, you can share that or um, you can actually bring it into, uh, you should be able to, have, have I done that? Yeah, I think I have. You can bring it into Bamboo Paper on uh, on a Windows platform. And so the, the audience um, for well. that, do you think, is is that the teaching? Is that the, I mean, what do you think is the audience? Um, I, I mean, I think, I mean, I think that Wacom's going after kind of, artist but i could see it as a great tool for and i've actually demoed it the teacher is that uh, in a a lot of the classrooms today throughout the united states there's a model of co-teaching where you have a regular ed teacher and a special ed teacher and oftentimes that special ed teacher might be the one that's um kind of taking notes or aggregating information and it would be great to share it on a device like this then you could then go right out to a pdf and email it to a student or put it up on a learning management system. So instead of writing it on a yellow pad that you have to do something with it afterwards, here you can go right from handwriting to text or just handwriting you know, to a PDF and be able to share it out quickly with, um, with students. So that's, um, you know, I, I could definitely see that as um, a collabor- you know, a way to collaborate in, and also a tool for sharing information with, with students. Now, they also have a bamboo paper. Is that just the completely online or complete device where you're writing on your screen version of this as opposed to writing on paper to start with? Yeah, so bamboo paper is just basically uh, – it's a basic drawing tool. Um, some, of the, some of the tools are free. Some of them are in-app purchases. Um, so they have like, you know, they have a pencil and a crayon and uh, a pen uh, and a brush and different color palettes um, that you can use. I believe it's, it's free on the Windows platform, but there may be in-app purchases for, you know, getting different um, style of paper and the number of um, drawing instruments yeah. would, be, would determine on how much you will. It's, I think at most it's four bucks for the whole thing, I think. Not, it's, not it, terrible. Yeah, no. it's not terrible not original there are other applications that will do stuff like this one note's got some got some inking and evernote right. has some inking right but there there may be an advantage if you're in the bamboo the bamboo platform or you're using those right i imagine some of these would work together or at least you'd stay in the ecosystem yeah and i think you know you get a lot of artists that like do you know sort of instead of carrying a sketchbook they can carry this and then they can go right out to photoshop or you know and use some of the wacom tools and and applications that they have so you know the whole thing is making ideas the other the other thing too that's kind of interesting that um you know i i know it's is in the um in in the business area you know market and and also it's moving into education is the whole idea of sketch note taking sketch notes so mm-hmm. it's a mix of text and and vi- you know visuals um to get the idea it's almost like dan rome's in the back of the napkin um but taking it to um note taking uh, mike Rody, who wrote um you know sketch note handbook um has kind of popularized the technique of you know less text more pictures and so and a lot of kids that we work with they tend to you know they tend to be artistic and if we can kind of teach them to 
take concepts and ideas and, and draw small pictures, um, that becomes their note-taking strategy. So I can see, you know, um, you know, teachers and, and even students using this. This is actually the big format. Um, they have a smaller format, which is, um, you know, maybe, you know, actually a little bit uh, easier to put in a briefcase. Um, and they have a, a one, the smaller one with like in a folio so that you can, you know, put your iPhone or uh, in there as well. Um, so it's kind of an interesting tool. And as we, you know, I think there's a movement even in corporate America, you know, to, you know, more, more visuals, more visualization, more graphics for understanding meaning and getting your point across. So I think that, you know, it, it would fall into that as well in, in, in the education, uh, you know, market as, as well. Yeah, we have a gal. So in our coaching community at Gallup, uh, we have right. this gal. I do the, this theme Thursday podcast. And for the very first season, you know, we have these 34 themes uh -huh. and we spend 45 minutes on them. And she sketch noted Oops. every single one of those for us. Right. And they're works of art. I mean, yep. they are incredible in color, each having a different concept. And I actually took those, you know, uh, we have this strengths finder assessment. I took yep. her art and I put it in a, in a, long frame and I put my top five in each one of those, you know, and, and framed it for myself. And it was a really great visual representation of my own work that I had done. Like she had done that for me right. she did it for herself, but she shared it with the community and, mm. uh, and it was good enough to just put up on the wall. I mean, it was really awesome. Yeah. So I also saw, uh, heard a statistic that we see or comprehend pictures 60 times faster than we do something like that. 60 times faster than text. And Absolutely. So the, right. The more the more of that we do, and this is a just a great way to represent that. Yeah, and if you, the and artist, if, right? Yeah, and if you look at the you know the area of the brain taken up by the visual system, it it, it comprises, I think it's something more than sixty percent is tied to the visual system. And you know the thing is, you know when you, you know even when you when you hear the word cat, you're immediately you have a picture, a picture comes right in, you know, and so everything really, I mean, when you think about language, it started with graphics and visuals right before it yeah, turned pictures. into tech pictures. It's pictures they, were, right. they were pictures before. They were the, pictures. Before the Phoenicians <laughs> changed <right>. all that. <laughs> they were pictures, you know, you go to the, uh, in Paris and the, you know, in the caves and, you know, mm -hmm. using pictures, you know, and uh, that's what it was. So, you know, it, it can be, you know, some teachers are beginning to take some time to teach students, you know, teach students, and again, you don't have to be a, an artist to take advantage of this. It's really, you know, if you, if you can, you know, draw a circle, a triangle, and a square, and a line, um, you know, you, you don't have to draw up masterpieces, but as long as it has meaning for you, um, that's, what's, that's what's really yeah. important. And again, for kids that are a little less text-based, it could be a really interesting approach. Uh, we're actually, take. Brian, we're hiring artists who do these sketchnote concept really well, and they're coming in, and instead of they're sketch noting on a big, you know, we we give them this big pad, yeah, right? And they're sketch noting the whole presentation yeah. live, while, and they're it's not like we prep them, right? They're doing right. it as we go. That's and a we make those available after the you know after the session. It's outside where people can take pictures of it. Right. right. What a great way to remember like a keynote. Yes. Than, than notes, right? I mean, and, and notes are fine, but how powerful that is to have those sketch notes. So I also like that trend, and that's not necessarily a technology trend, but right. I'm, I'm seeing it. We've got a lot of digital ways to do that now. And so I'm seeing yes. it as a great way to take notes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so it's kind of a, you know, you, de you definitely, as I said, there definitely is a, is a trend there. I mean, when you look at some of the workshops, you know, um, you know, in the, even in the tech 
tech world, you you do you, you know you will find sketch noting you know up there. Um, whether they're using ballpoint pens or they're using digital format, but uh, it's kind of interesting. And then when you take a look at something like uh, I know it, you're not going to take it with you, but something like the Surface Studio, you go, wow. I mean, you know, what does the future hold? Especially for artists. I mean, the tools are just fantastic. I mean, yeah. absolutely fantastic. Well, and you could, I mean, on a on a Surface Pro four, or we may see a bigger screen coming with the Surface Pro right. five. Um, you know, that would be a perfect device. Um, and I've been, you know, you sent me a device I could hook onto the back of my Surface Pro that I could slide my hand into and kind of yes. hold it, where yes. it was neoprene and I could kind of hold it. Mm -hmm. And that is the perfect kind of when you think about it, that's the perfect orientation. You can, you can turn that screen just the way you want it, grab the pen, and then really start, you know, mm -hmm. doing, doing some things on there. I think Andrew had said um, out in the chat room earlier that it's still, he still feels like it's a little slippery on some of those screens to write. And I think the tip has everything to do with that. Yeah. And yeah. I think Microsoft has come up with a couple different tips for, uh, for what we're doing on the, on the Surface Pro. Yes. And even that being said, it's got a really nice Surface to kind of write on be interesting to see that that um, studio that surface studio holy moly would that be a beautiful device to have at, for an artist up front yes to, you know in a presentation imagine that and then what if you just live streamed that presentation being done you know they could mm -hmm. on that big of a screen they could create a really awesome presentation awesome. Being done live yeah, yeah, but I mean, there are. You know, I mean, it's just rumors. We don't know anything, but there's this talk about you know a new stylus coming out with whenever the next Surface Pro comes out. So yeah, maybe there will be some changes to that technology. So it'll feel more like pencil or paper or yeah, you know, pen to paper. Well, I think there's a fundamental shift that has to go on though in our own brains. For our generation, we grew up with pencil and paper and doing yes. it that way. I think the kids, not that they're completely away from this, there's still some need for that, but I, I think just as generations go on, they're going to get more adaptive to it and be able to do it so much better. And I think the medium will change, right? It won't, the, the, and maybe this is where sketch notes come in is this, maybe that's kind of a conversion over to more because I can quickly add new fonts or new designs or new things very, very quickly that may be something where uh, that technology can can go even farther, but we've got to think differently, right? We have to think about yeah. the way we do it and think differently. So yeah, I mean most I mean most of the sketch noters that I know in terms of teachers, they're still using you know just paper and different colored you know pens and things of things of that sort, which kind of let me show you uh, the other the other thing I've been playing around with, which um, is getting well, is another way to get notes to the cloud. This is called the um, Rocketbook Wave. I don't know if you, this was a, I think it started as a Kickstarter project. And um, this uses the Pilot Frixion, Frixion, I guess Frixion pens. So it's erasable um, uh, because what happens is the, uh, what happens when you actually erase it, it kind of heats the ink up enough to basically take it off the page. Um, but one of the one of the interesting things that may be hard to see is at the bottom of the page are these icons. And so when you get done with your drawing, what you do is you can just tick off one of these icons and then the icons are uh, have been set up in your either Android or iOS device to automatically send it to OneNote, Google Drive, um, Evernote, 
however you whatever you set up. Um, so like in the back over here, and they, they said, were really light in the video. Oh yeah, they were it's really kind of, light, but they're down along the bottom. I see. Down, from, yeah, from, it's yeah, kind of hard. It's hard to see, but um, here's my. It's probably upside down. Here's my legend of where you know when I click off the, you know the yeah, so the pencil it goes to Evernote or the rocket it goes to, but you can you can preset these you know, depending upon your own preference. And you set those um, on the phone so you would go in and advance yeah, and set so that you up and phone, say this yeah, this symbol means this. Correct. Do this on right. this symbol. So I have a I have it set up for email, Evernote, OneDrive, Dropbox. And Google um, Google Drive, and I think I have also OneNote as well. So it's kind of interesting. So now, when you're done, you just take um, you take a picture with your camera, and you'll see it has a it kind of it has this like QR code. So the the app is really good at kind of just capturing the whole page and then sending it off to the cloud, which is uh, another again another tool for you know, a way to share notes very, very um, quickly. Yep. In, in a nice, um, when we think of uh, a nice stepping stone in between writing on paper and getting those all digitally quick, I think there are still people, again, our brains work, we're trained in a certain way. They kind of think yes. about writing on paper, but then when you're done, take a picture of it, and it's got all the technology built into the paper to quickly right. catalog that and move it to the right application right. in the cloud, right? Yeah, I didn't because I, I had to move. But the other, the other um, uh, paper product that I've been using is something called White Lines Link, and um, what it is, it's it was actually um, it's a company, a European company, and they just licensed their technology to a Roaring Spring, um, I guess, printing company here in Pennsylvania, and they have um, also different. Um, writing, you know, composition books, um, and the same idea is you write on the, you know, write on the paper with any any kind of pen, and at the bottom you have icons for email, Evernote, and Dropbox, and there's an app associated with it um, as well. What's interesting about their product is it has lines on the paper, but when you take the, um, when you actually take a picture of it. Um, what happens is the lines disappear when it gets sent up to the cloud so that your your text has that high contrast or, or your handwriting or drawing so it's kind of it's kind of interesting and and those are fairly inexpensive you know sort of composition books or, or they come in different styles and sizes depending on what your needs are but um, it's a interesting you know again these are all I think interesting tools that teachers teachers or other professionals can use um, you know going from um, you know using paper and pen to you know sharing or, or even archiving in the cloud which is um, which is interesting to me well and there may be some situations where it's not appropriate to be on a screen doing some of these things and, Correct. and right. yep. again I find it much easier when I'm taking notes at work for me, the best system is still like a checklist system on a piece of paper, paper. that I have written. I can't, yeah. I, I've tried uh, for years, Brian, I've tried <laughs> I'm sure. like getting, you know, using uh -huh. a note taker on my iPhone. I tried it on Android before that. I've tried it on Windows before mm. that. All the technology is there. I can put it on my phone and sync it to a million different things and it'll show up in a million different places. And yet for just those notes, I everything else I've taken to the cloud for the most part, or I've made right. digital. That checklist for me is the one thing I just can't 
I can't move. And so okay. I have a spiral bound notebook that I carry with me that's got my checklist in it, you know? And, and well, maybe, uh, uh, I mean, that might be something where it's appropriate to use, like, you know, one of these paper based products that you can then, if you wanted to archive, I mean, yeah. if you wanted a backup yeah. or something. Um, I mean, I use, uh, I know we, we talked about it last time, I use the LiveScribe pen. Um, you know, on a, on a daily basis with my students and, you know, if I'm on the phone with a parent and I have to take notes, I mean, one of the really nice parts about that technology is that um, I can, um, I can do a search, um, all my stuff gets archived in Evernote and I can do a search in my hand, you know, even on my handwriting, you know, if I write, if I was looking for, you know, Jim, I could type Jim and it will find Jim in my handwriting, which is really invaluable. I mean, I, sometimes I have parents call me about six months and you know, after six months of seeing their kids and I have to find the notes, all I got to do is type their name and it finds it in my handwriting, which is really fantastic. Yeah. Whereas, you know, if I, even if I had the, you know, the, the notes, the, you know, the books themselves handy, I'd have to go through every single page to find a note so here it's uh, it's automated for me and it it works well so i mean i think everyone i mean i think everyone has to find the right workflow for them whether it be paper digital or somewhere in between i think that's yeah. really important everyone has their preferences and different things work for different people randy's making a, a comment in the chat which is appropriate before the in the pre-show i think i was talking about how i had forgot to send the newsletter this week uh, or last week when I posted, show. Right. In, I have a digital workflow that every time I do a podcast, I bring the, you know, it's a Google doc that I just bring right. over and put up as part of the screen. And then because the podcast release has so many steps every time I put it up, cause I know I'm going to miss something. Right. Well, I added that into my workflow, but for some reason I've not been able to remember like to look at it or whatever reason I, uh, two out of three times I forget to send that crazy newsletter out because it's been a newer step into my process. Uh-huh. You know, I don't read through everything. So there has been some studies that have correlated to like the, our memory. We remember better when we write versus when uh, we yes. type. Yes. And so yes. There, I think there's some things to that as well. Although uh, to come full circle, for your folks that need that, that assistive tech mm-hmm. and they can't physically write – Mm-hmm. Um, speaking it in has to, I mean, that's really their only options and it has to be a hundred percent digital. So for them, that's gotta be just a godsend to be able to even get that stuff inputted somewhere where they can, where they can keep it. Right. Yeah. And I, and I, th- I mean, one of the, I mean, one of the issues of course is, you know, is students, it's, it's, it's a, cha- you know, a challenge where they can't use speech recognition to take notes. Right. Right. So then we, you know, we try to use things like the LiveScribe 3 pen that can record, you know, they can write a keyword and the audio gets attached to it. Mm. Right. Um, and then there, you know, some new audio technologies also from, um, been using, it's called Audio Note Taker, which um, is a really interesting um, solution for that same group of kids that has trouble, you know, listening, writing, processing. And so imagine you have, you know, a, a table and down the left-hand side, let's say you're in a social studies class, you have thumbnail sketch of the PowerPoint or the PDF. The middle column is for, you know, text where you can type. Um, and then the last column is where when the teacher or professor starts talking about slide number one, you hit you hit the record button. And what this program does is it chunks the audio. So because we naturally, we stop at certain points. So it chunks it. And then 
you could you can actually tag these chunks so if the teacher says this is important you could press the four key which is associated with important and it color codes it a different color than the other audio that was recorded so now you have chunks or almost like imagine you had different color highlighters uh, for when yeah. you're highlighting text so now you could have your audio into different chunks based on whether it's important whether it's going to be on the test or whether the teacher says this would be important to review um, and then when you're done during for that 40 minutes you have everything broken up by slide and by colors and chunks and if you want you can actually go in and tell the program just just pull out everything that's important and it will go out and pull out those audio chunks so that you can listen to just that. Um, so it just makes it more efficient in using, um, you know, audio. Uh, the biggest issue is, you know, the technology kind of um, uh, is far out a field of school policy. So we've been having difficulty with some school districts allowing students to hmm. use audio in the classroom. So that's been a that's been a big it's been a big challenge so the technology's there it's just whether school districts allow you know students to use yeah it. is that something i could use you know uh show notes are always the hardest thing for podcasters to come up with and is is there i mean could i play us our say i wanted to play our spoken content into a device like that have it record what we're saying and in real time i could be making tags and yes things yes to it. Is that something i could do yeah, mm -hmm. it's called. You could. Um, it's called um, uh, senescent audio note taker, and there's a 30 day trial, so you can even hmm. you can even try it. Um, and What's it cost? What's it normally cost? I have no. I have no idea. I don't know. I don't know. Because <laughs> uh, what's happening too at the um, it's it's being used a lot at the college level, and the colleges are actually leasing it for the students for a couple of dollars a month. So I, I can't imagine it's that costly. But if it's something you think you might use. You know, let me, you know, give it a try. Let me know. I, you know, I know the folks at the, at the company. I can see what we can. Uh, well, that would be, you know, we always, as a podcast community, we always struggle with the note taking thing. You know, not everybody, everybody loves, podcasters love to do this part. It's the, yes. it's the, the, the back transcribing, end right? Now, transcribing today, fairly easy to do. You can pay for it. It's about a dollar a minute. So an hour long podcast would be about 60 bucks. You could, and that's out, that's offshoring it. That's not too bad. There are right. some technologies. I could play it into some transcription like software or Google will do an attempt at a transcription for me online and get about 85% right. But what would be cool for a podcaster, I would think, and this may be a market they haven't even thought of, is mm -hmm. to, when I'm done, I play that live or in real time into their device. And as a podcaster, I'm making tags in the, in the text as I'm going along. It's, that way I'm not typing things out, right? I think that's right. the barrier for podcasters. Right. And I mean, there, there is um, – yeah, there is a way it does it – does, um, yeah, it does integrate – I mean, the problem is that you'd probably have to get both profiles, but it does integrate with Dragon Naturally Speaking, the pro version. Okay. So it can transcribe. The, the issue we would, you know, you would have is that, you know, you have my voice and your voice. Yeah, right. And that's that's the... That could be totally... Yeah, it's a conversation. It's not a, right. it's not right. a lecture. Right. Because when you, tra you know, even if you were paying a transcriptionist, they're going to charge you more with two people, right? I mean, sometimes, I mean, yeah, they, they tend and to. And I interrupt all the time and, you know, so that's even more. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to they're gonna fine you. They're going to penalize me. You, penalize you. you interrupt your guests too much, Collison, and we're going to fine you. 
<laughs> oh, I, that's, that's, that's my life. Brian. That's your life. That's, that's my life. That's what be. <laughs> hey, um, last show, and I think actually the last two times you've been on, you've talked about Office Lens. And, oh, yes. And have you been using, is that coming along? Are they adding, I mean, it's a super powerful tool available on all the platforms, Windows, yeah. iPhone, and Android. I've been using it from time to time to scan in my business cards. Has, yes. it, has it been getting progressively better? Is that something you're using? Um, yeah, um, and I often recommend it because um, it creates really, um, you know, well, it, it does optical character recognition when it creates PDFs so I can take documents uh, in from there and throw them into other sort of text-to-speech applications. But about a month ago, they just added um, this feature called uh, Immersive Reader to it. So now you can actually take, um, you know, go into a library, take a picture of a page and go into the immersive reader function and it will highlight and read the text. Um, it takes a little bit of time to process, but I mean, it's free and it, it does a really, does a really nice job. And of course you can, you know, you can change the speed and things like that. So the immersive reader feature is relatively new you'll see it now you know before you saw it said you know export to pdf or you know export to word now you'll see immersive reader and let me see if i can bring that up well and i'm I, you know i'm in a situation where i handle hundreds of resumes every single year and i it's always a challenge to get those resumes into the system and oh a year or two ago when i was trying this not as great there, but maybe it's time for me to relook at this Let me see and start start taking a snapshot of those resumes. Let me see if I can. Does a pretty good job with receipts, business cards, those kinds yeah, of things. Yeah, it, it does. Let me see if I can uh, see card photos. Yeah. So now you know it has the it has the document um, document feature and yeah. So yeah, so you can then you know from document. Instead of you know creating a PDF, you could just go to immersive reader, and then you're good to. You just to read that to you, right? That's kind of read it to, yeah. yeah. The, um, that's what uh, Weger, Mike Weger, my co-host, uh, yeah. prior, he uh, he would he would try and get his books as, on PDF, and then he would drop those in and have them read to him, and he he would turn those into like audio books. Correct. And, uh, yeah. And so that's yeah. How so it's gotten um it's got a lot. Better. I mean, for you know, for for students that you know, you know, are willing to pay there, you know, there is a $95 program. Um, and, um, that does it, it, I mean, it does the OCR just very, very, uh, uh, very, 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 very quick. And it's called the, um, it's called the KNFB Reader. I'll put it in the notes, but um, it's a it's a hundred dollar app, and it's pretty it's pretty amazing how fast it can go from taking the picture to uh, reading the text. It's almost in, almost I would say almost instantaneous. I mean, I remember fifteen years ago, um, you know, uh, you know these basically um, actually uh, Ray Kurzweil. Um, I met him many years ago and he put together it was a real Rube Goldberg it was like a Nokia phone with a, uh, a digital it was a Canon digital camera and they were like you know basically put together with rubber bands and so the Nokia 
the Nokia phone would take the picture. I mean, the Canon would take the picture and the Nokia phone would do the processing to read the text, you know, and, and what we're doing on whether it be Android or iOS with these devices, just pretty, you know, pretty incredible. I mean, the, you know, I mean, I just got a new um, iPhone 7S, so the processor in there, I mean, it's like, you know, instantaneous when I, I scan using that program, um, but it's pretty, pretty incredible. And so whether you're, and that program was set up for both the visually impaired and also students with dyslexia, but it's very, very fast at, you know, seeing the page and then going right to the text. Uh, so it's pretty, pretty amazing. Pretty yeah, amazing. I, I need to, I need to remember to pull my phone out more often and just take pictures of docs. You know, sometimes I, you know, I'll run over yeah. just today. I was sending, um, I had to do an intern eval for a right. student and, uh, you know, he, it came to me digitally. I printed it, wrote on it, and then I scanned it back in using our printer. And I, you know, I could have just taken a picture of that thing and that's yeah. all they really want. Right. I mean, the pictures are so good now. Yeah. I mean, I use, I mean, I mean, my personally, myself, when I go out and do things, uh, I use, I've been using Evernote for a long time. It's hard for me to get off that, um, you know that you know that platform as much as I, I might want to, but it's 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 done well for me. I mean, you know, if I go into school and you know, teacher shows me a student's work, I'll you know, I'll just take out my uh, my iPhone and open up Evernote and take a picture of it. And uh, I mean, you know, it's got some smarts too. I mean, if it knows that I'm going to be seeing Jim Collison, it automatically when I take the picture, it says, oh, yes, Jim, you know, it's, it associates the appointment with that. The picture that I took, so it's um, it, it's great, and you could also do audio recordings, um, you know, as well. Um, so it's it's pretty it's pretty fantastic. Um, these digital tools, it's one of getting, as you said, getting in the habit and finding your workflow is really important. Well, the workflow is the key, right? I mean, I think it's in everything key. we do, you have to have a solid workflow to make sure you, you do every step. You do. Um, and years ago, I I mean. I'm still not perfect, but I, I did purchase a Fujitsu ScanSnap, which is connected to my Evernote account. So I can just take my paper, scan it, and send it over to, uh, you know, to Evernote. I mean, so depending on the documents, I, I use, I have, I mean, professionally, I use OneDrive a lot for the work that I do for filing documents. It's, I mean, it's unbelievable how great that's worked for me. You know, um, I'll take... You know, um, you know, I'll take documents, scan them um, to a PDF, and then I'll move them to OneNote and uh, OneDrive. Actually, OneDrive. Sorry about that. Uh, and then I have, you know, then I'm sitting in a meeting and uh, I get a phone call, and a parent says, "What was the recommendation you made?" And boom, it's I'm there, you know, on my iPhone. You know, it's just it's just amazing. Or school districts will send me records, you know, uh, in a PDF file form, and I'll you know I'll file them digital, you know, electronically, you know, I mean, or, or else I'd be, I'd be a total mess without, you know, these tech, I really, I mean, paper, uh, I'm, I'm a nightmare with paper, really, yeah. I really yeah. am. And yet for me, my workflow for when I'm doing, you know, we'll all hire a whole bunch of interns for the summer. Mm -hmm. And I actually have a system fairly efficient paper only, there's no electronic piece. No to it. And, and again, you'd think like, I would try to digitalize everything. But I have found I've come up with a system in a series of folders that it's just more efficient for me to take notes on the paper, keep okay. that paper in the right place, then pull those papers when I need to, like when I need to do an update, I grab the right folder, go in there. Um, it's just for me, that's just the best way it works. Then once I hire them, they go into our electronic system and boom, everything, I do everything digital at that point. Like I don't want right. any, 
I don't want, we shred that paper and I don't want any trace of it ever again. But for the, for the hiring process, it, what's crazy is when I go out on the road and I'll, I'll have someone I interviewed, maybe even in person, come up to me at an event and say, oh, hey, and they'll remember me and I'm looking at their face and I am like, I cannot place where I've, where I've right. met them at. And, they'll be, and eventually I'll be embarrassed and say, okay, where do we meet? And they're like, hey, I, you interviewed with me. Now, I, I get a little slack because I interview hundred, you know, hundreds of people a year for that. But I'll say, give me, now what I do is I say, give me your resume. And they give it to me. And as soon as I see the resume, it's like, oh, yeah, I totally remember who you are. But I needed to see the text because I spent so much time reading oh, the resumes Interesting. during the interview. And I almost need that visual representation of their of who they are that I wrote again, cause it was a writing exercise. I write because I write on their resumes. I think I remember the resume better than I even remember their face. And, uh, and so we'd had some comments in the chat earlier about some teachers feeling like, that the lack of note taking physically is kind right. of ruining the classroom, uh, so to speak. And that can be debated back and forth, you know, um, there, there are, you know, some of the tech we're talking about there, we have students, you have students that just can't even physically do that. So it's not even, no, right. right. It's not even appropriate from that standpoint. No, for those kids, we actually, a lot of times we'll, we'll give them uh, PDF files that they can annotate right on top of, you know, on a computer, you know, they can type, or, which is, which is great. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yes, no, some good stuff. Yeah, some yeah. good stuff. Brian, anything you're hoping to get for Christmas, tech-related? You got anything on this? Um, Santa I'm all, oh, no, I'm just, <laughs> I'm teched out, man. <laughs> I can't, I can't, I can't plug it. One more thing. I don't have enough outlets in my house anymore, Jim. I don't know about you, but. Uh, uh, no, in the wall here, I just spent, uh, oh, an hour or two right. the other night. My tech wall, I have a. I have a, you know, those boards with the holes. What do they call those? Pegboards? Yeah, pegboards. So I have a pegboard wall and then, and I've, you know, I've got all my devices along the studs and they're screwed in with, uh, the, with the plastic, yeah. uh, like pipe, uh, right. the, the pipe things. That works really, really well for that. So they're all lined up, but they weren't. They were kind of messy. I'd move things around. Stuff was falling off the walls. So I spent some time arranging that and getting, you know, getting things where they, and it looks really nice right now as I look at it. But I have four um, extended power strips that are all mounted to the wall and they're all a hundred percent full. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I still have, um, and, and that's plugging those four into my UPS to back everything up. And so, and I'm, I'm out of UPS ports. Like I can't, I can't physically put anything else on my UPS because, and I guess I could chain them together. That wouldn't be right. very safe, but, um, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm out of, I'm out, I'm, uh, I'm out. Like I have two eight port, uh, switches that um, you know that are down here. So I have 16 Ethernet. <laughs> <laughs> no, the only thing the only thing I'm looking forward to is if and when the uh, Surface Pro 5 comes out. I think I would uh, jump. When, when do you think that will be? What do, What are you thinking? What's your guess? March. Yeah, I think so. I think uh, hopefully, you know, I think it'll be tied when I guess what they're calling a, you know, Windows Creative 10 comes out or yeah. what they call Redstone. I mean, whatever. Redstone 2. I think it's Redstone, Redstone 2 and the Creative. Yeah. yeah. The, yeah. And so, um, I mean, I, I, just, I could, you know, I mean, I just, I just bought, like, I literally just bought the three, you know, the Pro 3 and then, you know, then the Pro 4 comes out. It's like, okay. You oh, know, me too. Like, I know. Me too. My daughter was so, complaining. She's on the RT. 
And oh. I keep asking her, like, oh my God. I've been asking her for two years now. Like, is that okay? Oh, yeah, it's fine. It's fine. So the other day she was upstairs, just two, two days ago, she's upstairs. Yeah. And she was like, uh, my computer's not really fast. And when she goes to college, she'll get a new computer. But I'm like, hey, do you want to borrow my Pro 3? Because it's really, it, it doesn't get used as much as it should. Right. It sits here on my desk most of the time. She was like, can I? And I'm like, yeah, just borrow it, you know, until we, we get you off to college. That's six months from now and whatever. Right. So I think the Pro 3 is going to go. I reformatted it last night, ready oh, okay. for her to set up and get the pen all set up and those kinds of things. And I'm yeah. interested to get uh, – because she's been an RT user for so long. I'm interested in wondering how she feels about the Pro 3 and the Surface uh, using it full-time over the next six months. So it'll, I'll get some good feedback from her. I use, um, I use the Surface 3 a lot. I mean, I even do presentations with it. My, four, my, my, my Surface Pro – Pro 3 is connected to the uh, a dock and, uh, you know, external monitor and my scanners and stuff like that. I mean, I do take – when I'm doing higher-end workshops, I will take my, 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 my Pro with me because it does have that extra, you know, the oomph to it. Yeah. Um, but I use my Surface 3 a lot for every day and, you know, when I'm doing, you know, pre, you know light – I say lighter weight presentations. And it, 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 does a good, it does a good job. It really does. Uh, uh, surprisingly, it really does. Yeah. Good, good but, little uh, device. But hopefully the five, you know, will come out and we'll see uh, some, you, gonna, you know, you gonna, new – You going to buy one? If, if, if the – Five come – yeah, I think I will. Yeah, I think – Time, time to read. Yeah, I mean, I think – yeah, I think, you know, um, hopefully it'll, it'll have the new Intel processor, better battery life, um, maybe USB-C. I don't know. You know, so who knows? Bigger, faster, thinner, you know, you know the deal. I don't know if I want them much thinner. You know, I like, I really like where they're at right now. You do, yeah. yeah. It's, just a, it's be, just a nice device. I am really comfortable with my Pro 3. It, it's just, for me, it's a really comfortable traveling on the yes, plane, it is. on a train, in the car, super comfortable yeah. with that, and I, I've been super productive on that. On yeah, that. And, I, and I know you know people don't talk enough about it, but the, um, I mean, at least for presentations, I'm not really running that much video through it. I mean, the the Miracast technology is just uh, really fantastic. I mean, you know, when I uh, I, I bring my screen beam with me, um, you know, or you know, even the Microsoft's you know adapter, and it's just a great solution where I'm not te you know physically tethered to. Uh, you know, to to a projector, you know, a data projector, and uh, it's you know, it's really uh, it's, I, it's great. I watched Panos Panay do a, a presentation like that at Microsoft, right? And uh, had two tech guys in there to make make sure it would work right, and uh, and then he, he walked around the room with his Surface. Yeah. It would have been a it would have been a Pro Three at the time, right? Yeah, I yeah. think Pro Three in his yeah. hand, doing the presentation, swiping through the slides. Yes, yes. Know, they were up yeah. on that. So very dramatic. That's Panos, yeah. right? Mine, mine are not as dramatic, but uh, very, you know, very functional. I mean, it's um, it's nice. I mean, sometimes I, I do. I mean, a lot of times now, uh, you know, school districts will provide me with uh, you know data projector, but oftentimes I'll I'll travel with mine, and you know, it's great because I you know I just plug it in and I, I'm off and running. And you know, what's nice too is we don't realize is that these projectors also have some you know some of them have um, you know nicer speakers built in, and you know that you know through Miracast that's supported as well, so I don't have to plug external speakers in. So it does a really nice, it does a nice job. I mean, um, is it 
foolproof? No, but you know, I would say 99.9%. It it just it, it works. I mean, again, I'm not playing video games. I, I may show a YouTube video. It works fine for that yeah. as well. You know, so uh, for me, it's it's great. It's really great. Garden variety computing is what I call that, and uh, it, it's good enough. In most cases, it's good enough, right? And so yes. it just works for for PowerPoint. Some of those presentations, even stuff you got to do in the web, works just great. It, it does. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. uh, yeah, I'm really, uh, you know, pleased with, uh, the surface three and the surface pro line. I think it's, uh, it's a great, uh, it's the best, it's the best of both worlds for me, yeah. you know, just cause I'm on, you know, I'm on the road with a lot of this technology, uh, every day and it's, it's nice having a light but powerful system in my bag. If I didn't have such a great work laptop. It would be my full time. I would have it at work. Right. I, my just, I have a great work laptop and it's very functional and very durable. And for the crap I put it through, it does what yeah. it needs to do. And it, it has all the company stuff on it, which makes it even better that, uh, that I can use. I do need the full version of outlook for a lot of the work that I do. And so, um, it, it's yeah, I, I've struggled. I'm kind of glad my daughter is going to use it for six months because I felt bad. It sits down here and doesn't get as much yeah. use. What um, laptop do you personally? What laptop? I have do just you? a Dell, you know, whatever kind of an okay. industry. Okay. Yeah, nothing special. It's just that it's got all the right software on it to, to right. do. Uh, you know, my job is email intensive and scheduling intensive and all those kinds of things. And so it's it, it's just it's better. It just works right. well for what I needed to work for. So. Um, yeah, I've, I've often thought, oh, how can I just use my Surface at work? And I could. It's just my work laptop's better uh, for what I do at work. Um, and stay so, with yeah. Stay with yeah, yeah. Well, Brian, thanks. Uh, hang around Anytime. a little bit here as we okay. go into post-show, but uh, we'll okay. wrap up this part of the show. Great stuff. Some great Yeah, it was good. A lot of fun. Always, it's always Love. awesome to catch up with you. And Likewise. How do folks – are you still – are you blogging? Are you tweeting? Still, are you, what are you doing? Um, what am I doing? That's a good what question. What are you doing yeah. these days? Um, how do well, people you, find you? Um, you can find me at Assistive Tech with a T-E-K. I'm doing a lot of uh, tweeting. Um, and my blog could get a little revitalization. It's just been a really busy fall. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's just busy. So I've been doing a lot of stuff, putting out a lot of ideas and ways to use some of these technologies on my, uh, you know, on Twitter, which is, uh, which is great. And I get a chance to share it with other educators to, so they can uh, have that information as well. Man, the, educator, the educators on Twitter are incredible. I was telling somebody the other day. Uh, uh, the whole education world has gone to Twitter. Yeah, I mean, those teachers that are engaged and connected, yeah, that's where it's happening. I mean, you know, to find out the latest, um, you know, and the greatest is definitely. And, and then there's also the, you know, there's a big movement. Uh, it's called the unconference movement um, where, you know, teachers are putting on, you know, basically – conferences usually on a Saturday and so all those educators are really connected with one another finding out you know how to do it and you know, basically creating their own professional development which is uh, really exciting taking you know taking personal charge and control over that which is which is great kind of crowd-based professional development it is you know I, I actually um, the first uh, weekend in March uh, I'll be holding my fourth one with my colleague, uh, Mike Murata. Um, it's great. We get 150 to 200 parents, educators out and, you know, do some PD and, you know, get a chance to, you know, kind of network and talk and, and meet people and, and, you know, share what's happening. It's because it's really, I mean, like any field, um, it's just hard to keep up with uh, everything that's happening. Uh, so we give, give everyone an opportunity. 
Yeah, it's it's actually a format that I'm considering going to for all the meetup stuff that I do, where you, everybody come, anybody who wants to present on something comes yep. with a title yep. and is ready yep. to go. You post yep. those on the wall. Everybody votes yep. on them. You put them into slots. And you just do it. it it's a you lot. You do it. Yeah. It's, it's like a lot. people, I th and I think it gets more people. Like when you publish the the events that are happening at a conference and people look through it, I think that just gives them an excuse to not be there. But when it's that kind of mode and everybody gets an opportunity, yep. I think it draws more folks. Yeah, I mean it's uh you know it's kind of like a it's a leap of faith, but it's amazing. You you know you we get there early in the morning and we put a board up and within the first half hour it gets filled and people I mean some people you expect they are going to you know facilitate a group and others you have no idea that they're going to be there and they do you know they do something and before you know it the whole day is filled uh, with you know interesting topics that people want you know it's not like you know we're we're not you know we're not um, you know ahead of time you know kind of limiting them they come because they want to speak about whatever the topic is and they don't even have to be an expert but they this may want to facilitate a conversation on that topic and that's meaningful yeah and it gets it really gets um, you get to the heart of the matter and people vote with like if you have a topic and nobody wants to hear it then it's not appropriate right and the, the crowd kind of weeds it out yeah we um, we have a saying you um, you vote with your two feet. If and even if you go into a session and you don't like it, um, we tell them, you know, this is for you. Um, you don't have to sit there. Um, you're not obligated. You know, so vote with your feet. If 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 you go in and it's not what you want, go go to something else. It's your day to learn. It's your day to choose. Yeah. Now I'm going to do that more. In fact, we're we're thinking. I'm I've been toying with the idea of starting a podcaster slash tech conference in Omaha, like like we do with. Home server show has right. been kind of been that out yes. in Indianapolis. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, earlier in the spring, I've been thinking about a lot of folks have been saying, hey, if you did one in Omaha, I'd come. And yeah. we got a lot of podcasters in the area. So I thought I'd, we'd do that unconference format where you could have great. both podcasting topics or tech, tech, uh, you know, gadget kind of stuff. We could do education kind of stuff. Anybody can just bring what they want. We'll hang around for a day, a lot of networking. And, and yep. I think that's a format that, uh, it that works. works well. Yeah, it works. Well. Yeah, so, well, good. Well, Brian, hang tight one sec. I'll just remind yes. uh, everyone and again. Thanks for coming on. It's always great. Uh, great having. It's always you great here. to catch up. Remind everyone if you're interested in financially supporting the show, don't forget we have a Patreon link available for you if you want to financially do that. And a few of you have, and I always appreciate that when you do it. Uh, we don't need to. Just some people like to say thanks by doing that. Everything uh, we we do pretty well here, and I, you know I run this as a hobby, so it's not like we need your support, but. Some people like to say thanks that way, and if you're interested in doing that, you can do it for one month or keep it on for a series. Head out to TheAverageGuy.tv, look for the Patreon link or TheAverageGuy.tv slash support. We'll get you there as well. If you've got feedback for me, if you've got somebody interested in coming on the show, if you think you've got something to say and you want to come on, speaking of the unconference, if you want to do, maybe we'll do a little unpodcasting scheduling. If you've got something you think you want to say, I can't take everybody, but uh, send me a note. A few of you have, Jim at TheAverageGuy.tv. Um, you or uh, track me down on Twitter at Jay Carlson. Either way, and uh, let me know what you're thinking, and uh, maybe we'll have you on the podcast. Uh, if it, you know, we want some great material. Let let this podcast be the standard by which you judge by. Brian came ready with some great stuff, and uh, and so that's kind of what we're looking for when you do it. Of course, the Average Guy TV platform, both web and media hosting, powered by Maple Grove Partners, get secure, reliable, high speed hosting from people you know and you trust. And Christian actually been going through a whole bunch of infrastructure. Uh, updates as well as we did a whole cyber frontiers on a case study 
where Christian got some malware on someone's site and that got taken care of and he talked about it and we talked about malware and hosting and some of those things. If you haven't caught up with the most recent episode of Cyber Frontiers, check it out. TheAverageGuy.tv, just it's right next to Home Gadget Geeks. Just find it there and, uh, and listen to the most recent. If you haven't subscribed, we're doing those about every two months. So just leave that in your player and uh, we're doing it pretty consistently. We want to thank Roger out at WLMN Radio in Grafton, West Virginia for broadcasting us live out there on uh, on that uh, terrestrial radio station in Grafton. So, Roger, thanks for doing that. And don't forget, you can listen to Home Gadget Geeks on the iPhone or Android app that's available for you. We want to thank LastPass for their sponsorship. They are here next week, and we're going to catch up with them uh, and uh, catch up with Amber, and so we're excited about that. Thank LastPass for sponsoring it. Head out to theaverageguy.tv. No, head out to homegadgetgeeks.com if you want to get that uh, that app. The link to it's at theaverageguy.tv. So if you want to do that, and I mentioned we got a cool newsletter for you out there, which I keep forgetting to do. But if you're interested in keeping up with the show, I always do post a four-week schedule there. So if you got the last newsletter, this week was the last one there. So I definitely need to get a new one out this weekend uh, with the schedule. It's a great way to stay up to date. And you definitely know I won't spam you because I forget to send the <laughs> So there's no spam associated with that. To get out there and get signed up, you head out to theaverageguy.tv slash newsletter to get that done. We want to thank everybody who came out and joined us live. Great job, guys out there. We'll stay around for a little bit of post-show. We are live every Thursday, 8 p.m. Central, 9 Eastern, out here at theaverageguy.tv slash live. I want to thank you for joining us tonight. And with that, we'll say goodnight, everybody. <laughs>